Going through a divorce is daunting and can make you feel financially vulnerable. Ampla Finance can help. Unlike other loans, there's no need for any ongoing monthly repayments. You're only charged loan interest on the amount of money used to pay your solicitor's fees as your case progresses, and the easy-to-use online tool keeps you in full control throughout the process. Your loan is normally repaid in full when you reach settlement, so between now and then, you have peace of mind that the cost of your divorce won't impact your day-to-day -day needs. Ampla Finance puts you at the heart of everything they do and can help you to make the fresh start you're looking for. To find out more, click the link in the podcast description or visit www.amplifinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Smart Divorce Podcast. I'm Tamsin Kane and I will be your host. In Series 3, we will be speaking to a number of experts and professionals in the divorce arena and answering the questions that we get asked most often. If you've got a question and you don't think we've answered it yet, please do get in touch. You can email me at tamsin at smartdivorce.co.uk. Now over to our guests. Hi, I'm delighted to be joined today by Daniel Bell of Bell Financial Solutions. How are you doing, Daniel? Very well, yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. We're going to talk today about mortgage affordability. Um, this is an ever-changing subject I've found um, since I was involved in the mortgage world. Um, so let's start off um, and consider the sorts of income that are taken into consideration. So there's the obvious stuff, such as what you earn from your job, but mortgage lenders sometimes will take other income into consideration as well, won't they? Do you want to run through what those sorts of things are? Yeah, absolutely. So every lender takes into account different types of income, but I'm... Broadly, most types of income can be taken into account by all sorts of lenders. Um, employed income, um, so income that you earn from your employer, um, generally all of it will be taken into account, but in different um, different ways and different ratios. Um, for example, overtime, commission, bonuses, um, some lenders will take all of it into account. Some lenders may only take, say, half of it into account. Um when it comes to things like benefits, tax credits, um, again, some lenders will take it into account, some lenders won't. Some lenders will take different tax credits into account, um, child benefit, universal credit, working tax, child tax. Um, some will take, again, 100%, 60%, 50%. It depends on the lender. Um, you've then got additional income, such as maybe maintenance payments, um, formal arrangements, informal arrangements, and again, you know, it varies from lender to lender whether they will or won't take it into account. Um, lenders uh, have criteria on how long they expect people to have been receiving an income before they do or don't take it into account. Um, I guess in short, you know, all all income can be considered. Um, it just depends what lender it is. And again, that's where someone like myself comes into play because we look at we look at all those different lenders and see right, based on the income that you've got coming in, you're going to be best placed with that lender because they will use most or all of your income, whereas that lender won't use hardly any of your income, for example. So, um, yeah, I guess in short, that's where it comes into play. 
So it's about it's about maximising the income that you've got coming in with the lenders so that you can potentially borrow um, if you need to, the largest amount possible. So exactly. we've talked about employed income and, and bonuses and so on and overtime that may or may not be taken into consideration. Um, then I guess we've got self-employed um, income and also those clients who earn from through salary and dividends. Do you want to talk through how that might work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so self-employed, um, again, varies from lender to lender. Um, you've you've got different types of self-employed people. Obviously, you've got sole traders, limited companies, partnerships. Um, as a rule of thumb, um, most lenders would um, expect. Um, people to have been trading for about two years um, and would look for um, an average of the last two years worth of income figures. If we were talking about a sole trader, for example, they'd be looking at the net profit figure. Um, If we were talking about a limited company, they would usually be looking at the salary plus the dividends taken for the last two years. Um, And again, for a partnership, the share of the net profit um, again, for the last two years, there are, however, different lenders that will take into account different figures. Um, limited companies, for example, not you know self self employed people work in different ways, um, and that might not be a true reflection of what they are earning. Um, the there are lenders that will, for example, take retained profits within the business. Um, some lenders will take salary plus um, profit after tax. There are lenders that will take profit before tax um, plus your salary. Um, there are lenders that will consider income after just one year trading um, or work off projections. So, you know, self-employed people um, uh, are a more complex way of being assessed. But again, you know, the, the, the knowledge that we have as uh, as mortgage brokers, that, that's where we come into play really, really quite key, uh, key um, with self-employed people. It's again, looking at Right. How does your business or your self-employed income work, and what, therefore, what type of lender um, is best suited for you based on their risk appetite? You know, what do they look at? What figures do they look at? And therefore, of all your income figures that we have, which lender is going to be best? Because which one of them are they going to pick based on the fact that that's how they run their commercial risk? Um, you know, it's it's about um, you know matching you to the the right lender accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then we look at expenditure because there are some things that lenders will subtract from your income when they're working out what what your affordability is. Um, so shall we start off? Do you want to talk through um, how loans are looked at? Yeah. So uh, loans, um, generally lenders will look at um, the overall balances that you may have in relation to your uh, income coming in. It's what we call a debt to income ratio. Um, but then the monthly payments that are going out. So um, they were, every lender has their own way of calculating it. Um, there's no simple calculation, but they will look at the monthly payments um, and then use that as a deduction from the overall loan amount that they would then calculate based on the, the income that you've got coming in. So as a, a very basic rule of thumb, lenders will look at all the income coming in. They will then say, have a, a calculation of what they would lend you. And then all the deductions that um, 
we're going to mention, say now, they would then take off that final figure uh, to then give you a maximum borrowing amount. Okay. And credit cards are, from experience, slightly different, I think I'm right in saying, because even if you say, oh, I'm going to pay all my credit cards off, that doesn't necessarily, with all lenders, cut the mustard, does it? No. So, again, your credit cards, um, generally seen as slightly higher risk to a lender. Um, there's no fixed end date on a credit card. It's what we call open credit. Um, you can pay a credit card off and then fill it right back up again. Again, lenders would generally look at the overall balances that you have. Um, they would potentially look at how much of the credit you have in relation to your credit limits. Um, but lenders, again, would, would then take a percentage of your um, balance um, and use that as a deduction. So um, 3% is a nice figure. Um, but again, every, every lender is different and every lender has their own calculator. And usually they're, you know, the, the, the way they calculate that in the background, we're not privy to. Um, but again, you know, there are some lenders that, you know, if, we, if you are paying debt off um, as part of, say, a settlement or a divorce, then there are lenders that will, will discount all debt which is great. There are some lenders, as, as Thompson said, that will say, no, nope, we still won't take that into account because we just have to consider that it is still a debt. And then there are some lenders that go down the middle um, and say, right, well, we'll take a proportion of that debt off the affordability, but we're going to leave a portion of it there just to sort of give us a little bit of comfort. So again, that's where you know um, myself would say, right, this is the type of lender we need to look at because they're going to you know, consider the fact that we would be paying all that debt off or whatever accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing um, that is going to be relevant for people getting divorced, is we've talked about maintenance um, as a receipt of an income, but it's also relevant if you're paying maintenance um, as a parent, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, maintenance going out as an expenditure um, is obviously a committed expense um, and therefore would be treated very, very similar to a loan commitment. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it is a factor. Um, and nearly all lenders would would take that into consideration. There, there, are, there are the odd lender that wouldn't. Um, and again, it, therefore, if that was, you know, a large amount as a proportion of your income, then that's something we need to consider and therefore, you know, um, talk to the other lenders accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another thing when we're looking at affordability is the term of the mortgage. So if you've got an existing mortgage and you've been paying it off over 10 years, for example, that doesn't necessarily mean that your new mortgage needs to be repaid over that sort of term, does it? No, absolutely not. You, I mean, you should consider the fact that your existing mortgage was um, probably based on two incomes coming into the property and therefore uh, affordable, um, maybe over 10 years. Going forward, um, we could, should consider that it might just be the one income. Um, circumstances that will be changing. Um, we've also got to look at retirement ages, et cetera. You know, your, the existing mortgage was based on potentially, you know, a different retirement age based on the other party. Um, but yes, you know, the, the term of the mortgage will have an effect on affordability. Um, if extending the term means we can get you into an, the property you want because it means we can stretch that affordability then you know that's what we can look to do but we'll always go through those options and make sure it's still the right thing for you and we're not putting you in a detrimental position um 
but you know absolutely the the term um, is relevant and it's something that as part of giving mortgage advice it's something we'll always look at and make sure that we're doing the right thing for you um but extending the term certainly can be a good option um if the advice is right yeah and it's not always that the mortgage has to finish at 65 is it no, absolutely not. Not most mortgages uh, and most mortgage lenders would allow a mortgage to go up to age seventy if your state of retirement age was seventy. Which um, the way the way we go at the moment is is quite normal, um, and a lender would would not be asking for any further evidence of retirement or pension income going up to age seventy if that was your state of retirement age. Okay, that's it. That's really good to know. And what about if you were um, older? I guess in your sixties, for example, is taking out a mortgage at that at that age still possible? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, depending on the individual circumstances, um, and you know, I didn't touch on when we were at the income section. You know, there are things to consider, such as pensions, um, and you know, as part of a divorce, you know, pensions are obviously uh, looked at, discussed, transferred, um, and and lenders obviously do take pensions into account. Mortgages can go into retirement. Um, it's you know uh, an area that you know we take more care on, but it can happen, and, and lenders will consider it um, and will consider you know retirement income. So um, yes, mortgages can go um, on for a longer term. They can go you know, right up to age eighty in some cases um, on a residential basis. But again, it's it's all down to individual advice, and it's something that we can look at. Okay, um, and. What about the um, the amount of borrowing that you take compared with the value of the property? So we would call that loan to value. Does that have any impact on the amount of borrowing that you can take? Yes. So um, the more equity in the property, i.e., the lower the lower the loan to value. So the less you borrow in relation to the property value and um, the more a lender would generally lend um, because it's it's less risk to the lender um, for example if you wanted to borrow 90 percent of the property value a lender would be more cautious about the amount they would borrow that lend you sorry in relation to your income whereas if you only wanted to borrow 60 percent of the property value a lender would be prepared to lend you more against your income um, because it's less risk to the lender. Fantastic. That's brilliant. That's been really helpful. Is there anything else that I should have asked you on this subject of affordability? I don't think so. I think, um, again, I, I, I sort of said, but in short, it's uh, it's different for all lenders um, and and it changes. Um, lenders change their affordability, you know, weekly, monthly, um, it, for different reasons, for different risk appetites. Um, and that's why, you know, we're here and to obviously guide accordingly. You know, it's not as simple as just four times income anymore, you know, take away a loan. Um, there's lots of different things to consider. And that's why, you know, seeing uh, an independent uh, mortgage consultant like myself is is the best way to make sure that you're, you're getting the, the right advice and the best affordability for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly a good idea to uh, take some professional advice when it comes to mortgages and not just uh, run to your nearest uh, nearest high street bank. Um, for anyone who does want to contact you, we'll put your details in the show notes and then they can, uh, they can get in touch and I know they'll be getting great advice if they do that. Thank you for joining me today, Daniel. Thank you for your time. 
hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, please do think about writing us a review or giving us a lovely five-star rating on iTunes if that's where you're listening. I hope you'll join us again next time. Bye.